Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. Well, that's good stuff now. We've... Uh... We've worshiped this morning. Let's continue that worship. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 19. I want to continue in our series, uh, our evangelism series, A Heart for the Lost. The title this morning is Jesus and Zacchaeus, an encounter to remember. Now, as we've walked through this evangelism series, we began the series with with the idea there of the lost coin and, and the lost sheep and understanding that, that there are lost people all around us and we need to be burdened as followers of Jesus Christ for those lost people. Like that shepherd that was burdened for that lost sheep. Like that woman that was burdened for that lost coin. Jesus is burdened for those lost sheep. He's burdened for our friends. He's burdened for our family members. He's burdened for those who are lost, and we should be burdened as well. And so we've walked through that, and we walked through uh, Jesus and Nicodemus. We saw that it's not about religion, but about rebirth. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has nothing to do with what you've done. We'll see a little bit of that this morning as well. But about everything, have you been born again? Have you been born Again, and so this morning we're going to kind of continue with that same thing. So we talked about uh, the the importance of those that are lost. We've talked about having a heart for the lost. We've talked about the life change that occurs in an individual when they have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And we're going to see the very same thing this morning when we talk about Jesus and Zacchaeus, an encounter to remember. So if you found that passage, stand with me. Luke 19, I may have not told you the passage. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. We'll read through that quickly. Luke writes this, he says, He entered to Jericho, that's Jesus, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran out on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. That's the Pharisees and those uh, there are the Sadducees and that group of folks. When they saw it, they all grumbled and said, This he has gone into be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, today, 
salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham. But the son of man came to what church? Seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning, Lord. Again, another glorious time, God, that we can break open the word, Father, and, and, and hear from you this morning. And Lord, may it be not be my words, but yours. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. God, we thank you for those encounters that we've had with your son, Jesus, and all the things and all the things that have happened in our lives and the change that has occurred in our life, Father. And I pray that if there's anyone here in this congregation this morning who has not had that personal encounter with the Savior, that today be that day. Lord, if there are those in the congregation this morning, God, who have had that personal encounter, just aren't living as close as they need to be, just aren't walking. You may be seated. So this morning, just for a moment, I want you to consider something. I want you to think back to a memorable or a a, a moment or an encounter that you've had. Maybe it was an encounter uh, when you were out hunting or, or, or fishing. You know, that's where we get those... You know, those fishing stories, that, that fish was that long. Or that, uh, that hunting uh, story, you know, that was a ten-point buck, and man, I just missed it by that much. Or maybe it was an encounter in God's creation. Maybe you were out and you saw the stars on a, on a, on a moonlit night and a, and a, a litless night. Maybe you saw those kind of things. Or maybe you were at the Grand Canyon and you saw and encountered God's creation. Maybe you encountered a celebrity or a superstar. Maybe you encountered the president. I had the, uh, the fortunate or the unfortunate, if, or however you want to call it, to, to, to meet uh, President Clinton. Uh, but I did get to meet a president. But maybe you've had that kind of encounter. Maybe you've had an encounter with a, a certain doctor or a certain hospital or a certain medical facility and that, that encounter with that doctor was one that, that may have changed your life. It was, it was just one of those memorable moments that maybe they gave you a diagnosis and you were able to get that treated or whatever else it was. Maybe you've encountered the birth of a child, those of you that are parents. Listen, that's a, a memorable encounter and that encounter will change your life. And so whatever that encounter may have been, it, if you remember it, it probably left an indelible mark on you. You probably remember it because it was something that changed your life or it was something that, that, that led to a, a decision that you've made or whatever. In fact, some of those encounters may have been life-altering. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, I can assure you that if you've had an encounter with the Savior, If you've had an encounter with the living God, and that living God, the Holy Spirit, lives within you, your life has been changed. You've been changed. So Jesus, he's making his way into Jerusalem. He's been healing the blind. He's been cleansing the diseased. He's been preaching and teaching as he goes. And he comes to a town there at Jericho. And it was his intentions... Simply to pass through that town. Jesus had no intention of stopping in Jericho. And when I think about Jesus' intentions, we know the story. We know what happens. Jesus encounters Zacchaeus. But I wonder, sometimes, me as a follower of Jesus Christ, how many times do I just pass through 
And I don't pay attention to the prompting of the Holy Spirit when the prompting of the Holy Spirit says, Hey, do you see that man over there in the tree? Go talk to him. Do you see that lady over there sitting on that on that park bench? Go talk to her. But Jesus is passing through. He's passing through Jericho and he has an encounter with this man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus finds himself in the crosshairs of the divine he finds himself in the crosshairs of the, of the Savior, the Messiah that one everyone had been talking about. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Zacchaeus is about to have one of those encounters. He's about to have an encounter with the Savior. He's about to have an encounter with Jesus Christ, the one who saved. And that encounter will change the life of Zacchaeus. It will change his life forever. It'll change his eternal destiny. So this, this morning, here's your point. Writing that down. Zacchaeus encountered the Savior and his life was changed forever. It was changed forever. Changed for all eternity. And let me tell you this. Those of us who have had that encounter know that we have been changed. But those who have an encounter with the Savior will never be the same. Listen, regardless, listen, here's the thing. Regardless of whether you make a decision to follow Jesus or not, when you have an encounter with the Spirit, you're going to be changed one way or the other. Oftentimes when people have an encounter with the Savior, if they don't want that encounter, what do they do? They pull away, so you're changed. So you're going to be changed one way or another. So as we walk through Scripture this morning, we're going to see several things, four things uh, this morning. Number one is this, the encounter was all inclusive. It was all inclusive. There's no doubt that Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus. I mean, that's why he was curious. That's why he was curious. He'd heard about the miracles that Jesus was doing. There was probably buzz all around. The crowd was gathered, and this guy wanted to see what was going on. If you remember, one of the issues the Jews had was that they felt superior to the Gentiles. They were God's chosen people. Thus, salvation for the Jews was what? They was, it was exclusive. It was exclusive for the Jews. They were that uppity crowd. They were the ones that said, oh, we got this. We're Jews. That's why Jesus talks about he was the son of Abraham. And later on in this passage. But the Jews, they thought salvation was exclusive. So this man, Zacchaeus, would certainly not have fit into that Jewish idea of someone who could receive salvation. In fact, most would have considered this man unworthy of the gospel. But why was that? Well, let's look at uh, the first two verses there. He entered Jericho and was passing through. Again, that's Jesus. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. The Bible says he was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, you know what tax collectors were thought like then. You know what who they were and what they did. Zacchaeus was a publican. He was a tax collector. In other words, Zacchaeus worked for the Roman government, and he would collect taxes from the Jews. No one liked to pay money to the government, especially when the government was in an oppressive regime like the Roman Empire there in the first century. And those who collected taxes for such a government bore the brunt of much public displeasure. It's almost like when you call somebody on the telephone to dispute something, that individual on the telephone is not their fault, 
But they're the one that takes the abuse because that's who you got on the telephone. You do it in a nice way, I'm sure, though. But Zacchaeus would take the brunt of this. He would take, uh, collect the taxes uh, for the Roman government. He collected taxes from the Israelites. Most would consider him a turncoat. They would consider him a traitor of their own countrymen. He enriched himself at the expense of his Jewish brothers and sisters. He was an outcast, tax collectors were. They were dregs of society. They were the scum of society. Those looked down upon and they were rich. They had all the money they needed. But most people looked at them and looked at them and not in a... uh, Thoughtful, not in an encouraging way. But notice what the Bible says about Zacchaeus as a person. Verse 3, first part of verse 3, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus was curious. Like Nicodemus, Zacchaeus was a curious man. And so I can imagine... Scripture doesn't say this, but I can imagine that God had begun to draw Zacchaeus to himself. And Zacchaeus wanted to know who this Jesus was. He had heard about this man. He was seeking. That means he was giving attention to. He was seeking to lay his eyes on this Jesus. Who was this Jesus? Who was this man who was healing people? Who was this man where salvation was coming to people? Who was this individual? Zacchaeus wanted to see exactly who Jesus was. Think about this, church. Whenever people are brought to us, whenever we interact with folks on our daily walks, and as we go, Matthew chapter 28 tells us, as we go and as we interact with people, have you ever considered that that interaction is a divine appointment from God? Have you ever considered that? Have you ever considered like Zacchaeus, this individual didn't find you out of just happenstance. They found you because they didn't know it, but they were beginning to seek God and God was bringing them to you because you were the one that could share the gospel message with them. You were the one that could bring life and Jesus was the one that could bring life to to, to Zacchaeus and Jesus and Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus. Notice the second part of verse 3. It says, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Now, Zacchaeus was short. He was short. But also he was running with the crowd. No doubt that this crowd, many in this crowd were probably there just like, just to see. They were curious that they didn't have any intentions of doing anything other than, well, there he is. Yeah, there he is. Wow, man, he looks normal just like we do. Many of those in the crowd, maybe some of those in that crowd that day, maybe, maybe, maybe some of them would be even some of the ones who would, who would be in Jerusalem and they would be crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, as Jesus came into Jerusalem. And then at the end of the week, they're all, they're all saying, crucify him, crucify him. But regardless, Zacchaeus had run with the crowd. He was one of those that would fade into the backdrop. He was one who didn't want to stand out. Zacchaeus didn't want to stand out because he was a tax collector. He wanted to stay in the shadows. He didn't want anybody to know who he was. So he was small in stature, but he was also ran with the crowd. But he also wanted to stay out of the limelight. Think about this. Zacchaeus was 
desperate. Look at verse 4. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. Notice the desperation of Zacchaeus. The desperation. This guy wanted to see Jesus at all costs. Now think about this, church. This man is a rich man. All right, he's a tax collector. So he was above climbing up a sycamore tree to see anybody, let alone Jesus. But he was desperate. He was desperate to see who this man was. When people come to us, those lost people out there, church, they're desperate. They don't even know that they're desperate, but they're desperate. Zacchaeus had no idea he was desperate. Zacchaeus had no idea he was spiritually blind. Zacchaeus had no idea he was lost. But he was desperate. He climbed up in that tree. He said, listen, I've got to get a glimpse of this man. I've got to see who this man. So he ran. They didn't run back in those days either. That was below them to run. But Zacchaeus ran. He not only ran, but he climbed up in a sycamore tree. To get a glimpse of this man because he was so desperate. Zacchaeus, all, he, he didn't realize that he was desperate. He didn't realize that he was uh, lost. He didn't realize that he was spiritually blind. But he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. So he goes. He climbs up in that sycamore tree. This poor beggar. That we encounter on the street. The poor beggars that you and I encounter on the street. They may be rich. They may be poor. They may have a job. They may not have a job. They may have a car. They may not have a car. But regardless of whether they have those things. You know what they all have in common, don't you? They're desperate. They're lost. They're spiritually blind. And they need somebody that will speak life into their, into their lives. They'll speak, need somebody that can open their, their spiritual eyes. And that is us. That is you. That is me. Zacchaeus needed this very th- same thing. Because the gospel is all inclusive. It doesn't make any difference who you are. It doesn't make any difference what you have. It doesn't make any difference where you live. It doesn't make any difference any of that stuff. Because we're all equal at the foot of the cross. We all need a Savior. Some of y'all may have have, have been on those all-inclusive vacation things. I know Dan and I, when we go on cruises, that's one of the things we like about the cruise. Once I get on the ship, everything is already paid for. Everything's already paid for. It's all-inclusive. It's all-inclusive. Those trips that you take are all-inclusive. But you know what's not all-inclusive about the cruise? Only those who go on the cruise can take advantage of the all-inclusiveness of the cruise. Only those who go on this all-inclusive trips can take advantage of that all-inclusive trip. But what we are offering people, we're offering people an encounter that's all-inclusive. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you work and where you live and what kind of car you drive. We're offering Jesus. And that's an all-inclusive offer. It's all-inclusive. Paul writes this to the church in Rome. He says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. It does not matter. For the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone 
What's that? Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will what? Be saved. Everyone. All-inclusive. So the opportunity to have an encounter with the Savior is an all-inclusive opportunity. Profession, financial status, ethnic background, none of that matters. Has no bearing on the effects of the gospel. The gospel is for everyone and everyone is welcome. And we must keep that in mind. Keep it in mind. So it's all inclusive. This encounter was all inclusive. The second thing, this encounter was personal. It was personal. Look at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house house today imagine yourself up in that tree all you're wanting to do is get a glimpse of this guy all you're wanting to do is see him. you're not trying to you're not trying to 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 stand out you're not trying to stick out like the old proverbial sore thumb you're just wanting to see this guy and all of a sudden in the midst of this crowd This man that you're trying to see makes direct eye contact with you. And not only that, he calls you by name. I remember when Jesus called me. He called me by name. He called me by name. Jesus makes direct eye contact with Zacchaeus. He was trying to avoid eye contact with Jesus. I can imagine he's probably doing this, you know, doing this, you number, you know. There he is, and Jesus Jesus having nothing of it. He makes direct eye contact with this man. I can imagine, the Bible doesn't say it, but, but I can imagine that this, that this look that Jesus gave Nicodemus was a penetrating look. Because Jesus knew Nicodemus. I mean, think about it. This guy doesn't, I mean, he knew his name. He's probably thinking to himself, how in the world does he know my name? He knew my name. But it was one of those penetrating looks, you know, like parents give their kids. You know the look. I've gotten it and I've given it, so I know all about it. But it was a penetrating look. Jesus directly called him by name. Again, an amazing thing. We see this encounter. It was impersonal. Think about that, church. It's personal. Every encounter that we have, listen, I can't be safe for you. You can't be safe for me. It's a personal encounter that we're offering people when we share the gospel. Zacchaeus was having a personal encounter with the Savior. God speaks to Moses is a personal encounter. God calling Samuel. Remember that story when God directly spoke to Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. Personal Personal encounters. Paul's interaction with God on the road to Damascus. Paul was the only one there. Jesus calling Lazarus to come forth from the grave. It was a personal encounter with Jesus. Had Jesus had said, come forth, everybody that would have been around there would have probably come out of the graves. But he was personal. Personal, personal invitation. Personal encounter. Zacchaeus. Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Notice there's a sense of urgency. Hurry, Jesus said. Hurry. That means to speed. That means to make haste. That means don't waste time, Zacchaeus. Come on down from that tree. You don't need to be up in that tree, Zacchaeus. 
You don't need to be up in that tree to see me because you're going to have dinner with me. There's a sense of urgency. He didn't ask Zacchaeus. No, Jesus didn't say, man, do you want to come down from the tree? No. He said, hurry and come down. There was no uh, invitation. There was no no questions there. There was no, uh, if you want to, Zacchaeus, come on down. That speaks to us when we share the gospel. Man, we've got to give that invitation. We've got to ask for a response. He says, today, I must stay at your house. He didn't say, tomorrow, I'm coming to your house. He didn't say, this evening, I'm coming to your house. He said, today, right now, Zacchaeus, you need to hurry down from that tree and come with me because I'm going to your house. Do you get it? You see the implications of this verse? The implication there is the time is now. Salvation is nigh. And the longer that we hold off salvation, the longer that this world holds off salvation, the closer and closer and closer that they get to an eternity separated from God. This was a personal encounter and it was a hurried encounter personal nature of this invitation psalm 34 8 says oh taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man who takes refuge in him you can't take refuge in the lord if you don't know the lord so we're offering folks a personal encounter with the savior we recognize the urgency of that encounter do you recognize the urgency of the encounter do you recognize the urgency of, of salvation. Do we recognize that? The time is now. For people to have an encounter. With the Savior. Number three. The encounter demands. A response. It demands a response. And you think about this response. You see it in two different ways. First of all look at verse seven. Drop down to verse seven. And when they saw it. They grumbled. He has gone into the guest to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. The religious elite and the common people all, they, they were indifferent about this. These were the critics. They were indifferent. They were those who failed to see Jesus for who he was. They were those who were still spiritually blinded and didn't want to be. Didn't want to be able to see. They had eyes, but their eyes could not see. They had ears, but their ears could not hear. They were those who, who may have been seeking. However, they weren't willing to accept the invitation that God had given to Zacchaeus. I mean, think about it. Jesus' invitation was personal to Zacchaeus. This was a personal invitation. But I imagine that people around him heard what he said. Just at least they, they heard what he said. And these religious elites, they knew, should have known who this man was. They should have known who Jesus was. But these were the critics. Notice the statement made by the critics. This is a familiar statement. A man who is a sinner. How ironic. Why? Because we're all sinners. We're all sinners. And imagine if Jesus hadn't had that personal encounter with you and with me. 
We're all sinners. The ones who are making this statement are sinners. They're just not willing to admit that they're sinners. The thing about it is, before people can be saved, we must confess our sinfulness. You're never ever going to receive Christ unless you recognize that you're a sinner. You confess that. That's part of your salvation experience. And this was a big barrier to the people coming to Christ. Remember the Jews. They thought they were special. They thought they were above this. This salvation was owed to them. This was part of their their Jewish heritage. But not Zacchaeus. Notice what Zacchaeus does here. Notice his Response there in verse 6. So he, that Zacchaeus, hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Jesus just said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. And what does Zacchaeus do? He hurried and came down. There was no hesitation. The Bible doesn't tell us there was any hesitation. So I'm not going to imply that there was. I don't know how high Zacchaeus was up in that tree. But maybe he got hurried down. Maybe he jumped down from there. Maybe there was no climbing down. Maybe that dude said, whoa, and he just jumped down from there. But he hurried and came down. He was willing to meet Jesus because God was drawing him. His drawing of God was strong and, and, and he received him joyfully. He hurried down. There was no hesitation. Think about this social outcast. This thief, this dog of society, did not hesitate to contact Jesus. This perfect, sinless man who healed diseases and saved the lost. This sinner, this sinner had the nerve to come down out of that tree. Had the nerve to, to, to receive Jesus joyfully. I can only imagine what those people outside of there were saying. What they were thinking. I've had those thoughts. Person, that guy received Jesus. You mean to tell me that 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 person received Jesus Christ? I know what they're saying. I know what they're thinking, because I've had those thoughts. Zacchaeus, though he recognized his depravity, Zacchaeus recognized his lostness. So not only was Jesus coming into his home, Jesus was coming into the heart of Zacchaeus. He was coming into the heart of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus coming down and receiving Jesus. He was receiving him in his home. But Zacchaeus was also receiving Jesus into his heart. Second Corinthians 6, 2, Paul writes, Behold, now... Is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We have got to quit putting off salvation. Got to quit putting it off. Some folks we invite will reject us. Some folks will not uh, respond to our asking for a response. They'll respond negatively. They'll just say, listen, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Okay, can I pray with you? And you move on. Some will will reject us, but remember, church, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. Some will not. Some will accept. And there's no greater moment. There's no greater moment 
than when somebody accepts Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior because of you have been obedient to God and the prompting of God to talk to that individual. However, we must ask for a response. We've got to ask for a response. And finally, number four this morning, the encounter produced immediate results. Immediate results. Look at verse 8. As Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, uh, the half of uh, my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. With immediate salvation comes immediate transformation. The thought process of Zacchaeus was completely different now. When he recognized his sinful ways, when he recognized what he was doing, when he recognized who he was in the eyes of this sinless, perfect man that he had just encountered, he knew immediately, he knew immediately that what he had been doing was wrong. The way he had been living his life was wrong. He was completely transformed. That immediate change, obviously this man was different. His actions were different. Previously, this man, Zacchaeus, he, he cheated people. He'd been a cheat. He helped himself to more than he deserved. He made himself wealthy at the expense of others. And when he received Jesus, when he uh, received him joyfully, all of that changed. All of that changed. Zacchaeus there in verse 8, he's, he's referencing the Old Testament uh, issues. The law there required a penalty of one-fifth as restitution for money acquired by fraud. So Zacchaeus was going to pay back what he had acquired by fraud, but not just one-fifth of it. He was going to go above and beyond and pay a half back. God, I want to go above and beyond what I owe. The law also required a fourfold restitution only when an animal was stolen or killed, if the animal was found alive, only twofold restitution was required. Well, Zacchaeus didn't matter to him. He'd not killed anybody's animals. He'd not done stolen anybody's animals, but he had stolen for people. So he said, listen, it doesn't matter. I want to go the, the highest that I can go. I want to give back the most that I can give back. Why? Because his life had been transformed by an encounter with Jesus. That's why. That's why. It wasn't out of compulsion. It wasn't out of a have-to attitude. It's because I want to. Because now my life has changed. I understand who I was and now who I am. Verse 9. It says, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also son of Abraham. That very moment, Zacchaeus received Eternal salvation. His life was changed. His life was changed. It was visible. It was, there was outward evidence. There was fruit of this encounter that Zacchaeus had had with the Savior. And so for us, there should be fruit. There should be evidence that you and I have had an encounter with the Savior. There is no greater encounter and there must be evidence. We should see it in our lives. We should see it in the lives of others around us. 
but also we should want to see the same things in the lives of those who are lost around us. Lost people act like lost people. Lost people do what lost people do. They do lost people things. There are faith and trust. But those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're no longer lost people. So we no longer do lost people things. We do things that would be what those who've had an encounter with Jesus would do. The fruits. We bear good fruits. Matthew five sixteen says, In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and do what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When people see you and me doing the things that we ought to be doing because we're followers of Jesus Christ, they give glory to God. They see God in and through us. And so they come up and say, man, what makes you different? Let me tell you what makes me different. I had an encounter with the Savior. We're going to close with verse 10. Jesus said this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to give you and to give me the opportunity to have a personal encounter with Him. That all-inclusive encounter. Everybody is invited to the dinner table. But who will respond? Who will respond to that invitation? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. The question is, how will you respond? How will you respond? This is a personal Invitation. So how will you respond to that invitation? Those of us who have responded to that, is there obvious fruit that you have responded to that personal invitation, that all-inclusive invitation? Have you responded? Is there obvious fruit? What kind of fruit are you producing? We've got a fig tree at the house. And it's starting to produce these beautiful, wonderful, huge figs. And I was picking those figs yesterday. What kind of fruit are you producing? thought occurred to me. What kind of fruit are you producing? What kind of fruit are you producing as a follower of Jesus Christ? I'll be honest with you. I had to immediately pause and I had to repent. Now, I'm not saying that because I think I'm holier than thou. Listen, I'm saying it because I needed repentance. Because I wasn't producing the fruit that I needed the fruit. I wasn't producing that beautiful fruit that that, like that fig tree was producing. The fig, you know what the fig tree does? The fig tree does what the fig tree is designed to do. You know what we should do as Christians? We should do what we're designed to do. Produce good fruit. Produce good fruit. If you're here this morning and you're a non-Christian, listen, I'll tell you, no matter what you do, no matter what you go, where you go, and no matter how good you try to be, everything that you do is filthy rags in the eyes of an almighty God. The world may look at you and say, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your, for your goodness. Thank you for all the things that you're doing. 
But we're not worried about what the world says. We're worried about what God says. When God looks at you, he just sees filth. Say, preacher, that's harsh. I know it's harsh. But we need to understand where we are in the eyes of God. Those of you who are not followers of Jesus Christ. All you do is filthy rags. But I'll tell you this. If you have an encounter with the Savior, all of that changes. All of it changes. And so I invite you this morning to have that encounter. I invite you this morning, those of you who are Christians, I invite you. What kind of produce uh, fruit are you producing? Are you, are you producing the fruit uh, that, that, that God wants you to produce? Are you pr- producing the fruit of a Christian? You've already uh, been a part of that all-inclusive encounter. You've already been a part of that personal encounter. You've already responded to the personal encounter. So the results of that should be the fruit that you should produce as a follower of Jesus Christ. But if you're here this morning, if you've not, I'm asking you this morning for a response. Salvation is now. The time of salvation is now. Those of you who are here and you may not have a personal relationship with Jesus, would you turn your life over to Jesus today? Even would you turn your life? Would you repent of your sins? Would you confess Christ as Savior? Even Lord, if you do, if you do, I can assure you that your life will never be the same. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.